This is an exclusive House of Ramirez and Dolo Darnell partnership. This is House Ramirez. Y'all already know what's up. Just tuning into what's really going on into our communities, right? So a lot has been going on, especially when Rona kicked off. And it's been going on for a while, but it's heavily impacted our communities to the point where it's brought us out of our communities to let the world know we're here. We care. We're not standing up for this anymore. And there's a lot of injustice that's continuing to repeat itself. Right. So at what point are we as a community going to stand up and say enough instead of actually saying something about it, doing something about it. Right. So at this point right now with me, I have Andrea and Lori. So Andrea is a loving mother. Um, She has a story that has impacted me because I am also a mother. And when I heard the story, I was touched. And I know many of you guys are actually going to hear this story and you will break down. Because any reasonable human being is going to hear this and automatically understand that justice has not been served. It's been way too long, 2016, 2017, 18, 19, 20, and we're in 2021 and still no justice. So um, I'd like to go ahead and introduce my sister, um, Andrea, and also her sister, Lori, um, Andrea, Lori, uh, thank you so much for being on House of Ramirez. Um, this is the time where we need to shed light on the injustice that has happened to your family. And we, we seek justice at this point. We seek to shed all types of attention on this. Um, so with no more time wasted, Andrea, please let me and my audience know who you are, where you are from. And let us know what this tragic story is all about, how it started, how it's going, and what we need to do to support you. Okay. Well, my name is Andrew Braxton, and my husband is Mr. Charles Braxton. Um, um, and I honor him and respect him and love him and his action. He's handling some business concerning me and him for later on. Today is our anniversary, 19 years. Um, and I also have Miss Lori, um, a wonderful woman. Um, but let me get to my story. Um, so on October the fourth, two thousand and sixteen, it was a normal day. It was a Tuesday. It was a Tuesday, a regular Tuesday. Um, I was um, a door salesman for insurance, um, and it was just a regular day. Um, I am a a sociable person, and so and I work very hard. Um, and I had to knock on doors to make my money. And so I was just going over some cases um, that day. Um, I was a little frustrated. And so I had asked my husband if he didn't mind to pick up the kids because, you know, I wanted to have me, you know, like a little drink. Um, you know, I was like, I'm not even going to, I'm not even going out today. I'm going to stay in the house today, you know. But um, I had a friend that called me because she needed me to fill in at a daycare um, for her. So I went there and I worked a little while. And then when I got off, I had, you know, time before the kids got out of school. It was about one o'clock, maybe 12, 12, ish. So I go home and I have my um, drink or whatever. I'm going through my um, cases and I go to sleep. And I remember my phone ringing over and over and over again. But it was like I was in like this. It's so hard to explain. Um, and 
that's when he was like, where are you? Where are you? And then I was like, I'm at home. Um, I'm asleep. Like I told you, I was going to take a nap before the kids got home or whatever. Um, and so, you know, so I can get up and take care of my kids. Um, and so he was like, people calling me, telling me that Amaya's been hit by a car. And I said, Amaya's been hit by a car. I was like, boy, Amaya ain't been hit by no car. You know, I was like, um, she didn't go on a field trip today, and it's not time for them to get out of school. And then he was like, it's 430 or 415. And then I was like, okay, so I pulled my blinds back in my bedroom, and I seen ambulances, fire trucks, and it's like something just went in the bottom of my stomach. I remember running to the front door. I didn't even have any clothes on. And so I had to remember that there was like this purple dress that I had. Amaya liked that dress. And I slipped the dress on. And when I opened the door, people were screaming at me. They were literally screaming at me. And they was like, there's a mother, Miss Blackson. And it was so much confusion. And I remember the school superintendent, not the police, not nobody from the police department, nobody from law enforcement. The school superintendent ran up to me and he says, we have to go. And then I said, where's Amaya? And then he said, well, there's been an accident with little Amaya. And then I said, what do you mean an accident? And he's like, she was hit by a car. I said, um, is she okay? And he said, it's not looking good, Miss Braxton. And so I was looking for my son um, because it was the day after his his birthday. We had just celebrated his birthday. We uh, was getting ready to plan her birthday the following week. Um, and so I was looking for him. And when he came off the bus, he had this look on his face. And the look on his face was a look I never will forget. It's like he had this despair this mist on his face and then he just said mama what's wrong with Amaya you know is she okay and the only thing I remember telling him was you know I can't talk to you about this right now so I had asked the neighbor if they would let him stay with them so I can go to the hospital so I got in the ambulance with her and when I looked in the back um her head was wrapped um she wasn't saying anything and I just was like, you know, what's wrong? Is she okay? And I remember them um, talking in these kind of medical terms and going really fast for this to have happened. Um, so I make it to the hospital and I'm by myself. Um, and my mom is a couple of states over. She had just made it to a destination. She was going on vacation. And so I was trying to call everybody and let everybody know. And... I go to this hospital room and I'm by myself and then, you know, my aunties and then, you know, they come and then we wait for my husband and other family members, of course. Um, and the clergy comes in and when you see the clergy, you know, it's not a good thing. And, you know, he was trying to offer me, of course, some comfort and, and everything. Um, but after the accident, um, after I had made it home that night, uh, um, I found out, of course, she had passed at the hospital. Um, a very devastating, a very devastating, like in a in a second. From the time I woke up to the time I tried to lay down that night, my world was, it was so hard. I could not understand. I didn't know why this had happened. I had so many questions and I didn't have any answers. And believe it or not, 
I did not get to speak to the poll. I did not um, get to talk to any sheriff, any, nobody reached out to us at the hospital. Nobody called us. Um, and I had to wait till the next morning after um, she had died. Um, I had to wait till the next morning till the police department opened in Pontiac County. And I went to meet Sheriff Leo Mass to find out what happened about my baby. Um, and when I was waiting for him, you know, so we went in and we started asking questions, what happened? And come to find out what happened was Karen Michelle Carpenter um, passed the stop school bus and hit and killed my daughter. And we asked him, were there any tickets or any fines? And he said that he didn't want to arrest her um, because of the double jeopardy law. And he didn't want to do anything because he wouldn't be able to up her charges. He can only go down. And so me not knowing, I'm not on the police department. I'm not a lawyer. I mean, I believed him. I thought what he was telling me was accurate. And I went with that information for a year and a half to the first grand jury. Um, during this time, waiting on the grand jury um, to be selected, I made several attempts. I made several phone calls to our district attorney's office. I made several calls. And so they put me in the, um, they gave me connection to Miss Sadie Gardner, who's the assistant district attorney. I called her. I left her several messages. They never returned my phone calls. I never heard from them. Um, I never even, I mean, like they act like they had everything under control. Um, I'm not going to lie. Mr. Sheriff Leo Mass did um, make visits every now and then to the house when we would call him and ask him questions um, about how the case was going. And he assured me that it was a slam dunk case. Um, and so we did ask him again, was he planning to give her a ticket, a lease? And he was like, no. So then he was like, I'm going to wait on the toxicology report. And we was like, okay. Um, so we were waiting on the toxicology report. Um, and then for a period of time, he stopped showing up and everything. And so we found out that later that he had had um, a heart attack or for whatever reason, or he didn't show up. And so we were like, okay, so when he comes back on the scene, he's still telling me that this is a slam dunk case. This is a slam dunk case. This is a slam dunk case. Um, and so I was, I was asking so many questions, but I was never getting any answers. You know, I was never getting any answers. So about a year after that, um, the grand jury met, and then they came back with no indictment, and that's the first time. And so I'm confused by this point. I'm outraged. The citizens of Pontotoc County at this time was outraged. We wanted to know. We wanted to know answers. How did you break a law with this Nathan's Law? Um, it's been passed in 13 states, and it is a law of Mississippi. And it says that you cannot go within 10 feet of a school bus unloading or loading children. And she broke a law. She committed a felony. She killed my seven-year-old daughter in my driveway in front of her 10-year-old brother, in front of 15 other, 20 other children on the bus, and not even get a speeding ticket, not even get 
anything. So I demand a meeting with the district attorney. I said, okay. I said, you have not did anything. I have not seen you since Amaya died. Don't even know what you look like. Don't even know what your team looked like. Don't know anything about you. But I told the sheriff, I said, I want a meeting. Because if I don't get a meeting, then we're going to tear the town up. I'm going to let the people that's outraged tear the town up. So then they finally decided to give us a meeting. So the sheriff did let it slip out or tell me and my family that while um, the scene was going on, when he made it to the scene, that there was a call from the district attorney's office saying not to arrest Karen Carpenter to take her to the station. Um, so let me fast forward. So when we get to the meeting with the district attorney's office, he proceeds to let us know why we didn't get an indictment by his own words. He did not present Amaya's case to the grand jury as a crime, which it is a crime. He presented as an accident, and then he made up a rule, made up the law that said that they had to prove that she intended to kill Amaya in order for us to give an indictment. And we know that we don't have to prove that. We can prove that she meant to run a stop school bus sign. We can prove that she swerved, and we can prove that she broke the 10-foot barrier. And when she did that, she killed my daughter. Now, I'm going to ask Miss Lloyd to step in and to give her take on what I just talked about and maybe elaborate on it, um, because she did do some further research, and she does have additional information concerning this. Hello, my name is Lori L. Story, and I'm the author of God Works on Tuesdays 2, the Andrea Braxton story. And today I'm going to just tell a little bit about her story uh, from the book. Also, I would like to first of all say happy anniversary to Charles and Andrea Braxton, who is the subject of the book. Okay, um, I'm going to go ahead and read from the book. Uh, as I was saying, the um, book itself is primarily about Andrea Braxton is the mother's story, but it, it also covers uh, the death of her daughter, the very, very untimely and sad case of her daughter. And so I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to read two segments and then we'll talk about it a little bit. Okay, the first segment is when Andrea and her husband were at the hospital after her daughter was hit uh, by a driver as she exited her school bus. And she's been at the hospital just awaiting news from the doctor. The doctor enters the room, closing the door behind him. He nods his head specifically toward Charles and me. Finally, I mumble under my breath, Mr. and Mrs. Braxton, are you Amaya's parents? The doctor verifies our, our identity. Yes, Charles and I confirm. Amaya suffered injuries to the blah, 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 and left blah, 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 and contributed to the blah, blah, blah. I can't make out the medical terms this man is spouting out. He lost me after Amaya suffered injuries. I know Charles doesn't understand either. He is staring at the man like a deer in headlights. I don't have the patience for trying to make sense of this medical mumbo jumbo. Rude or not, I'm butting in. Look, we don't understand all of that stuff. What are you saying? Is Amaya okay? Would you please just come out with it? Staring intently at his words, measuring his breath, I'm trying my best to uh, decipher the inaudible sounds spilling from the doctor's mouth. 
The wind has been knocked out of me. I'm drowning in a sea of utter confusion. And while suspended somewhere between reality and escape, I hear the doctor's words echoing, making their way back to me. I'm sorry, Mr. and Mrs. Braxton, your daughter didn't make it. The doctor's message pings through every fiber of my being. I feel it, but I'm unable to store the message into my memory. He must be wrong. Something about the doctor's deep breathing and his professional demeanor forces me to surrender to his words. Help, I can't breathe. Somebody help me, I cannot breathe. The doctor proceeds as, the doctor proceeds as would a mother of an obviously distressed baby who is resisting bitter but necessary medicine. Amaya has died, he concludes. My legs give way to the uh, purging of my soul. With the force of flooding waters over the failed levee, a thunderstruck howl breaks forth, giving voice to 36 years of shame, suppression, and insecurity. All I can muster up is a blood curdling, bone chattering, <laughs> a sense a sense helpless desperation surrounds me. A family member hoists me up, my limp body up from the floor. The familiar scent of Charles's cologne and his breath are the only proof that I'm still living. And that was when Andrea and her husband got the news of their daughter. Uh, this second part is uh, self-explanatory. For whatever reason, 49 Tuesdays went by with no charges brought against the lady police picked up at the scene of the crime. By the 65th Tuesday, a second grand jury had delivered a no true bill. The only thing not true is the district attorney's presentation of the requirements of the law. For the second time, he led a jury to fail to indict the perpetrator of a crime. To date, we have spent 60, 65 weekly anniversaries knowing a criminal has escaped justice. Mississippi law enforcement has not counted the days nor the cost of one careless lady's actions. My family never stops counting. We cannot stop tallying because unfairness never adds up for us. It has taken too much away from us. We have had 133 weekly anniversaries of putting Amaya cereal bowl back into the cabinet. Each morning, my heart breaks again as I'm uh, repeatedly reminded of her absence. Every day I'm forced to come to grips with my sons having breakfast without their sister. I want to hear my poo spell out her spelling words. I would give anything to see her ride her bike and tickle her little brother. What am I supposed to do with this rubber bands? I bought 133 Tuesdays ago. And that is just the uh, family's feelings of never having justice, never being even acknowledged that a crime was committed. I have several things I would like to speak to on that. It's, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not at all a lawyer. I've done a little homework. And what I did discover is that um, it seems very convenient to me. I'll put it like that so that everything stays above board and legal. But I'll say it, it seems very convenient to me 
that the lady never received a ticket at the scene of the crime. Let me explain. I don't know if Andrea already explained this. Amaya was killed in her front yard in the driveway. Amaya was exiting her school bus. Amaya, her brother was behind her getting off the school bus. But when Amaya was hit, the car came from the behind. And I want the viewers and listeners to just imagine the length of a big yellow school bus. The driver came from behind the school bus, came over two ditches, hit and dragged Amaya in front of the school bus where she was pinned underneath the car. That is a long trip. And the lady never even received what a person would receive for running a stop sign. If I ran a stop sign and hit no one, there's a penalty for that. She never received a stop sign, a, a, a uh, traffic violation at all. Besides the death of this child, she never received any punishment, not a ticket or anything. And, with, and I bring that up because of this. What makes the law from a, a misdemeanor to a manslaughter is the fact that she committed, she uh, killed this child in the commission of a crime. But if she was never ticketed, that that could never come. It could never be murder. It could never be manslaughter. According to the law in Mississippi and Pontotoc, she never ran the stop sign that the bus had extended. The lights were flashing. She never ignored that, according to them, because they never gave her a ticket. She, the arm that was extended from the bus, according to them, she never disobeyed that law because even coming on to personal property leaving the highway she never got a ticket for any of that any of that and by her not getting a ticket there was no need there was no lawful way to convict her of mass vehicular manslaughter another thing if she had been uh, given a ticket in the first place, at least a ticket, I'm, I'm really being a little sarcastic to say a, a ticket because I don't believe anyone would have been accepting a ticket. But if she had at least gotten a ticket, there would never have been a grand jury to come back with the no true bill because the proof would have been there that she committed a crime. The grand jury just basically comes together to say whether or not she committed a crime. If she had gotten a ticket on the scene, that would have been established. There would have been no need for a grand jury. There would have been a trial. As I say, I'm not a legal beagle of any kind, but the grand jury itself uh, is assembled and they don't have to be legal-minded people, but they only go by the case presented to them. So whatever way that those, uh, that the case is presented is most likely the way it's gonna be ruled on. Okay, I did have a conversation with Sheriff Mass when I was doing research for the book. And uh, what he told me was this, that at the time he did everything he could and he tried to help the family, but he said that, uh, first he said the family didn't wanna go any further, which I couldn't take that. But at, at the same time, he said the reason was because he had advised them that it would have been, it would have been a mistake to try to go at this lady with, with any charge, a lesser charge, 
and then not be able to charge her with anything else. So basically is what he was saying is, we don't want to give her a ticket because later on we might not be able to get the highest charge, which is ridiculous because in the other cases here in Mississippi, the same district attorney and assistant district attorney had those same cases here in Mississippi. And in the other cases, not only did it, uh, were the charges increased, but they were increased the same day of the crime. In, in the one case, the little boy was killed, the guy was charged, and then hours later, the charge was increased. But what he was telling me about Andrea's case is that, well, they didn't want to come off with a small charge and then mess it up for later when they could have charged with more. But, you know, and that doesn't go when you haven't charged with anything. So that's what I know about it. You know, I know the conversation that I had. And, and also, I don't know if uh, Andrea may have wanted me to speak to uh, Nathan's Law which I also looked into a great deal, but all of that covered that. But in Nathan's Law, uh, according to a, I can't cite the, the uh, newspaper right now, but I do have it in my notes. According to a newspaper article, a quote of the attor district attorney was that the reason that the uh, grand jury struggled so much with their decision was because they could not prove intent. And according to Nathan's law, if you pass a school bus, the intent is not a requirement of that law. It says, or gives you a stipulation. And then it says, or intent, or. And when you have an or, you have another choice. Intent was never asked for. And also in the other cases, nobody intended to hit those children. In those cases as well, uh, the uh, district attorney was quoted as saying the reason they moved so quickly was because the family was ready and they got with the family and the family went in. Well, they didn't extend those same courtesies to the Braxton family because they were not allowed there. They, they found out through the grapevine that the grand jury had uh, come back with a no true bill. So they weren't treated the same way. And this story has been quiet for too long. That happened on October 4th, 2016. This is 2021. And, and, and I know that this is not a original saying, but I know it fits Andrea Braxton very well. No justice, no peace. Back to you all. Okay, well, I thank you so, so, so much, and you are absolutely right. Um, and so the case that she's referring to was of um, a Mr. Dylan Thomas, um, an innocent child, just like Amaya was. Um, the only difference was that he actually had to cross the street. And the um, guy who hit him said he thought it was a tractor trailer. And so he went on and went around. So when we had a discussion with the district attorney, um, he did say that um, he could prove intent in that. Or he could prove that um, the young man was wrong. So I asked him, well, to me, it's the same thing, except for this happened at five o'clock in the morning, when about six o'clock, the sun was down, you really couldn't see. He was wrong. He was dead wrong for going around that bus. And I'm not saying that he's not dead wrong for going around the bus. He killed somebody's kid. He took a life. He's wrong, dead wrong. 
Um, but this right here was early in the morning. People getting to work. It's still dark outside. Um, and in Mississippi and in those areas, you do have a lot of tractors moving in the morning. You have a lot of 18-wheelers moving in the morning. Amaya was killed in broad daylight in the evening time. No sun was out. It was on a flat. There was no curves. Um, even on Karen Carpenter's police report, by her own words, she admitted, um, admitted her own negligence. She admitted that she may have dozed off and went to sleep. In your handbook, in your driving handbook that every one of us has to take, we have to study it, we have to learn it in order for we can obtain a driver license. You have to maintain control of your vehicle. And it's also guidelines and rules for school bus safety, even in your drive even in your handbook. So she violated so many laws. She violated a state law, and you can look at some federal too, because there is a federal guideline for school bus safety as well. So she violated all those rules. She did all that stuff. And while my baby is pinned under her car, she's got pill bottles that we later discovered on top of her car. Um, half of the people that were at the scene were never interviewed. Um, they did not take live witnesses into the grand jury. They only took statements. Um, they never interviewed my son, even though he would be the best witness because he saw it. Um, so what they did in order to not to interview him or not to try to get an indictment because they didn't try, they told me that they needed to take him to a counselor. And I was like, I will take him to a counselor. So they told me, no, they wanted to take him to their counselor. But they wanted me to let them take my son to a counselor without me being there. And they waited today because, like, they were supposed to sit up, like, um, an appointment. So I went to Tupelo. I was I was waiting on them. They never showed up. They waited till the day be the same day it was supposed to go back to grand jury. They waited the same day it was supposed to go back to tell me that they couldn't take it back because my son didn't see counselor and they can't trust his answers because nobody would believe it. They have jerked us around. They have manipulated me for so many years. And for John Weddle and Sadie Gardner um, to even be in office and have a position, it really kind of still amazes me. Um, so Sadie Gardner, though, did decide that she was going to run for judge um, with handling um, Amaya's case. And I'll let everybody know, no, you can't run for judge. You're not ready for that. So we stopped her from winning. Itself should have been a grounds for them to turn the case over to somebody else. Because at this time, there's a conflict of interest there, especially since I just caused you a new career so you can follow in your father's footsteps. Also, when Cindy High Smith made the racing joke about the hanging in the tree, Sadie Gardner was right there, picture on the front page, laughing, cracking up. So you think it's funny to hang us, and then you're going to go and you're going to give 100% to take care of my African-American daughter? I don't think so. And so I made it my point to let everybody know, no, she's not going to be no judge, not this time. Not this time, not on my watch, because I got to protect the citizens of Pontotoc County. But it was so unfortunate, though, after I fought so hard and I did all I could for the people of my community to turn against me and start threatening me and my family and bullying me because I tried to stand up for what's right. Amaya Braxton memory will not die. Her legacy will live on. And everybody will know who Amaya Braxton is as long as I have breath in my body.
This was my child. This was my daughter. This was a princess. I will never, ever get to see her husband. She will never, ever get to have kids. She will never, ever get to be an auntie. None of that. My legacy is gone. And Karen Carpenter is still walking around free to kill somebody else. There were also reports um, about several other things. They didn't even take into consideration her driving record. She has an extensive driving history. Part of, part of her stuff is sealed off. Um, she has speeding through work zones, and she's been had some trouble already with speeding, but the district attorney never took that into consideration. He said they never even looked at her driving record. They never even looked at this as a crime from the start. They looked at it as a little black child got killed. Boo-hoo, so sad. What about tomorrow? What about those braves? That's honestly how I feel. Um, that's honestly what they showed us. Um, it's so many lies. Um, even in our meeting, the sh um, I brought up to the disc attorney who called the sheriff and told him not to arrest her and why. The disc attorney says, nobody from my office called. The sheriff dropped his head like he a puppy. So what are we lying about? Um, they won't give me any documentation. I've asked for documentation to, to try to move it forward on my own. They won't give me any documentation. They shut me out. Um, I didn't get my victims right. They never made me aware of my victims right. But Mr. Dylan Thomas' family got their, their victims right. They actually spent time with them and talked to them and let them know. Also, you have the three kids that was killed by the African-American truck driver um, who was charged the same day um, in prison right now. Um, so I'm... The only reason that I can think of the reason why Amaya did not get justice is because she was an African-American child. Nobody else can tell me anything else. I have took the high road. I have said it's not a racial thing. I have tried over the years. I've said this lots of times. And to me, at first, it was never a racial issue. I just wanted her to be punished. But when you look at all the other children who's not African-American get justice, and the one that got killed first, over a year first, who was an African-American who gets absolutely nothing, then what do you want me to believe? You're showing me what it is. You looked at me as a poor black family. You looked at us as less than you. You looked at her life as not being worth anything. And that's why you chose not to act. And then you misled not 12, but 24 jurors to believe that they had to prove intent when the law does not require intent. And I want to let you guys know that Ms. Braxton is, uh, I'm only going to be silent for a minute. That's because I need rest. But I got my rest, and I'm coming for each and every one of you. I'm going to get justice for my baby, and I'm not going to stop fighting until the Lord calls me home so I can be with her again. And that's it. That's it. Um, you pretty much damaged a little boy who saw his sister get killed. And then you have to explain to him why he has to obey the law. But the one who ran over um, his sister is free to do whatever. Free to have a normal life. Free to go. She got up and went to work the next day. They even allowed her to drive her car home that night. So I'm just saying, you know, I'm getting upset. I'm getting angry. Um, so at this point in time, I just want to let y'all know that I am fighting. Um, 
I am trying to um, raise awareness for her. Please say her name, Amaya Brashen. Share her, share her story. Her page is Justice for Amaya. Um, we have now um, acquired um, Justice for Amaya Cash App. Um, people are evil, so some people set up fake page, um, fake GoFundMe accounts, and they took the money and. It's so much wrong with this story. It's so much. It's so much wrong, and there's so many people that's doing so much stuff that they should not be doing, and it is just very. So I just want y'all to pray for us as we pray for you. We thank you for the support. Um, please support the Justice for Maya campaign. Um, please support God Works on Tuesdays too. And before I conclude my interview, I'm going to turn it over to Miss Lori Story to tell you guys more about God Works on Tuesdays too. I'm very proud of it. It tells my legacy, and I hope it encourages each and every one of you. Um, and at this point, you have it, Miss Lori. Thank you, Andrea. Before I get into uh, giving details about the book, I did want to mention this too. And I promise everyone who hears this story, your life will never be the same again. Amaya, I have fallen in love with Amaya and I never laid eyes on her as a living person. I am Auntie Lori <laughs> and she never even knew me. So when you hear the story of Amaya, then you'll know an injustice has been done, a grave injustice. Also, the exploitation. I want to say something about that, if I may. Uh, as Ms. Braxton was saying, people set up uh, GoFundMe accounts and abused that money, and it didn't go to the family. It didn't go to legal stuff for the family at all. Another form of exploitation of someone from Mississippi, and I call it exploitation because I don't know how they got the information, but someone from Mississippi wrote a book without the family's permission, published a book without the family's permission. And Lori L's story, that's me, I'm the only person who collaborated with Miss Andrea Braxton over this getting a book written. Uh, God Works on Tuesdays too is the only book the family has endorsed. Uh, the other book was an exploitation Ugly things were said about the child and other children. Um, and information was given that had to be given by law enforcement because that was information that no one knew about the crime scene. I don't even have it in my book. So uh, as Ms. Braxton said, if she wants to give her, go, her uh, cash app, then that would be the best route to go. But I'm gonna go ahead and tell you, God works on Tuesdays too. The Andrea Braxton story. Her daughter is Amaya Braxton. This is from a mother's perspective. This is a mother's story. The Andrea Braxton story, it is available at amazon.com, amazon.com. And in the, the author is Lori L. Story. Uh, please go ahead and get a copy. Uh, we, I am currently working on a revision of it either way it's going to be the same book just revised but go ahead and get a copy and then at the end of the book you'll find information on how you can get involved in getting justice for Amaya okay so thank you all very much and as I said you can go to amazon.com and get you a copy get it today I don't God works on Tuesdays too the Andrea Braxton story so I thank you 
so, so, so much, Miss Lori, for joining me tonight. I thank you so much. I thank you so much, Miss Ramirez, for having me. Um, y'all keep us in your prayers. Y'all, let's go heavy on on Justice for Maya. Everybody say her name. Everybody get involved because it was my child this time, but it could be yours next time. Thank y'all so much. God bless. I just want to thank y'all so much for just taking the time out of your busy schedule. Andrea, I want to say um, happy anniversary, you know, thank to you, you and your husband, Charles. Um, you definitely are a better person than I am because as a mother, I can't even fathom what the fuck I would do, you know? So um, like you mentioned, um, Amaya's legacy will live forever. This will be something that will change our communities and will continue to change people's lives. Whoever listens to this story, whoever sees this story, whoever reads about this story, you can't stay quiet. You have to say something. You have to bring attention to this story. You have to do something. You know, if you can't do anything, at least tell her story. Um, I will say that I am buying uh, the book. Um, it's not expensive. It's, um, it's very easy for you to just go to Amazon and order a $10 book that will impact this, this family's lives, you know, in the positive way. We can show support by buying this book. We can show support by reposting. We can show support by reaching out to the family. Um, Andrea did mention she had a cash app. We will go ahead and put the information below. Um, there's no point. There's no point on this earth to hear a story like this and keep it moving. You have to do something about it. We have to come together as a community and let others know that this is an issue. Someone out there is living their free life while Andrea's child was killed. This person killed a child, broke laws, and is still out there in the free world with us, buying stuff in the grocery store, going to work, going to the library, going to dinner, carrying a regular life when that murderer is out there after killing a child. After years have gone by, it's enough. It's time to stand up. It's time to do something about it. It's time to talk about it. The action time is now. The time is now. We need justice. Amen. So, um, Andrea, thank you so much. Lori, thank you so much. Um, I always do a shout out at the end. Um, is there a shout out that um, that Andrea or Lori that you'd like to go ahead and give us? Um, you know, anybody that's been in your corner that actually, you know, you want to put spotlight on, like anybody, Andrea, that you would like to shout out right now is the time to give back that spotlight, that, that energy flow back to them that they have given you in these difficult times. Yes, I would. I would like to shout out, first of all, thank Mr. Dre for putting us in touch. Thank him so much. The Heat Magazine, y'all get y'all copies. Y'all join that page. Y'all join that movement. It's a great information in there. I would like to thank Miss Lloyd Story, my husband of 19 years today. Yay, we're going to celebrate in a minute. Yay. So I'm grateful to him. And thank for the Justice for Amaya campaign. You guys rock. Thank you for every support on the Justice for Amaya community. Y'all join that page. Justice for Amaya, y'all get in, find out this information, and let's make them give us justice. 
And uh, if I would shout out, first of all, I definitely have to shout out the Braxton family for even choosing me to write this story. But also uh, my husband, Charles, he, he put up with a whole lot for two years. <laughs> and I'm so grateful for him and all of my children and family. So the story and Timmons family, love to you all, my pastor, Dr. William Payne, and all of my church family. And also I would like to say, Dre, you owe me a second shout out. You know why? You got me on here looking like I don't know what. <laughs> Thank Miss Lori for coming on there looking like I don't know what today. You're gorgeous. You're beautiful. Thank you. Love you. Y'all, I love y'all so much. Y'all know y'all got a sister here in Atlanta. Andrea, you already know we got to link up whenever, you know, the weather clears up. I'm here for you. Lori, you know, I'm, I'm, in, I'm actually a journalist at um, the Heat magazine. So whatever type of shout out you need, you let me know. I got you, sis. So you okay. let me know. But thank okay. you. And thank you. And it was so wonderful to meet you. Yes, yes ma'am. So I love you both. I love you love both. You, big bitch. hugs, big hugs. Big and hugs until and next time, we're going to go ahead and boost this out. We're going to put uh, Andrea's cash app down below where we can find her on social media and her baby's uh, page to go ahead and bring awareness to this. We must. So thank you so much. Enjoy your night, Andrea. Thank you so much, Lori. And until next time, thank you. <laughs>